We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Gentlemen, welcome back to another week of Barstool Backstage or on the guest list, whichever one we're going with this week. With Fox trying to get down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny Carkeet, and Dante, and Johnny Congos, even though he wants to act like he's not a part of this, but he is. Johnny, how are you, buddy? I feel like I'm a part of this because I'm, I'm on every fucking podcast, but I feel like I'm addicted to podcasts, man. Like I You moved are to addicted Aust- to podcasts. I moved to Austin and the mayor was like, you have to be on four podcasts else you get kicked out of this city. Yeah, I mean, you're doing it. It's, so it's what white guys love that. Just, it really is a big not, white guy thing. Yeah, you're not you're not white unless you start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There you go. There we is go. That, is that is that your white guy music? <laughs> it was a minor chord, I suppose. So <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, David Williams in the building. David, how are you, buddy? I'm okay. Um, I keep thinking today's Wednesday. It's only Tuesday, so that kind of sucks. But um, I'm okay. Daylight savings sucks, ball. Yeah, man. it's it, dude. I'm automatically going to off my guest list. Uh, Daylight Savings has fucked me worse than it's ever fucked me in my entire life. I no, feel no like lie. I am I so jet lagged right now. I have slept like dog shit the last two nights. It's the, the last year we're so doing feeble. it in Illinois, apparently, though. Humans are sweet. so feeble. Like, like the clocks change an hour and we all just fucking fall to ruin. I, it's unbelievable. It's. I think it's mostly I'm just like exceptionally unhealthy at everything. <laughs> And it's just Probably. throwing off your circadian rhythm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Colin. Like, we are feeble, but at the same time, like, you fuck with the most fundamental aspect of humans, which is like the sun cycle. Yeah. And it's, it's going to fuck with you. Dave, go on tour. Go on tour and see how your sleep cycle Oh, dude. Is. I don't. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I don't know how these people do it. It's, it's how you guys do it. Every it's, time you I've just ever age, you age four years in th- in three months. Absolutely, and then you become a normal human again. Then you go do it again. It's 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 really yeah. weird. Every time I've ever come back from any sort of tour run, the next day is spent in a ball because your body is just not used to like being in the place you're used to being in. It's it's and you're used to sleeping on fucking shit hotel. Oh, I'm matches. sure. Like it's, it's wait like till you try uh, being a dad, Colin. <laughs> you yeah, think I mean, tur- that, you that, think touring was rough? Wait for it. <laughs> I'm already doing podcasts and editing them at five o'clock in the morning, so I'm already not sleeping. I guess that's kind of my like trade-off. Yeah. I don't know. That's my preparing, <laughs> being a white guy, preparing to be a dad. I got to do a podcast to get ready. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> uh, this week's interview is one that I've been waiting for, and I said I've been waiting for for like seven years. Someone in the music industry we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Somebody who's been a tastemaker, a gatekeeper, now the host of the Allison Hagendorf Show on Spotify. Allie Hagendorf is on the podcast this week. One of the most heavily requested interviews we've ever had for the podcast because it's someone that people have a lot of questions about in the role that she played at Spotify. You know, the 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 connections and everything that goes behind playlisting. It was a really enlightening conversation. I came to a realization that maybe my music sucks because she has listened to my music and didn't add it to playlists. So much of this conversation was fun from the perspective of Johnny and, and Kenny being on the, like they've already had that experience of the Spotify playlisting. I'm someone who's been trying to get Allie's attention for years, and we had an amazing conversation. Johnny, what was your takeaway from the conversation? I mean, specifically what you're talking about, like the amount of bands that like you think either our music sucks or fuck her, she never listened to our music. Yep. Talking to her, you find out, like it's what it 
obviously is, that she's being bombarded by a billion songs. She's trying her best to help as many bands as she can. And she can't, you know, there's only so many people you can put on a playlist. So I think that's kind of enlightening to remember because when you're an artist, you get very much in your head, like everyone's thinking about you. And the bottom line is that you're one of a fucking billion bands. No one cares, yeah. you know? I mean, dude, it's, it's uh, what do they call it? Uh, main character syndrome. You think everybody's paying attention to you? Realistically, yeah. they're not. But <laughs> fucking I, tiny fish and big fucking C. Big, yeah. big C. But uh, th- there's so much in this conversation that if you are an artist wondering about Spotify playlisting or wondering about the back end of things or wondering about what Ellie's doing now because she's interviewing Cheryl Crow, like she's taking, we're rivals now. I said that on the podcast. Like we're going for the same audience. Like, we're, we're coming for you, dude. But she was absolutely incredible. Great. Positive. I've been back channeling trying to get a, a side gig for Ali Hagendorf. Yeah, <laughs> she, uh, she's great. And it's a really, really great interview. And I'm, I'm glad she took the time to come on. So that's coming up in a little bit. A lot to talk about in the music space. Uh, one thing I, I really wanted to start with was an idea pitched by someone who has nothing to do with music. And it's Jamie Lee Curtis. And Dante wrote a blog about this this week. But it's a conversation that started, and I want your guys' opinion on it. Dave, I feel like you might have a different opinion than me and Johnny. But the idea of matinee concerts, concerts early in the night, concerts during the day, should concerts start being during the day or early in the night as opposed to late night things? Dave Williams, I go to you first. I like it just the way it is. I'm trying to think which way oh. you think. I I am a morning person. If it's like a random weeknight, it's like a school night for me. I'm fucking ready to fall asleep at 9 o'clock. I'm an old man in that regard. That said, I can flip the switch personally where if I'm going to a concert, I know it's going to be a fucking night and I'm going out till 4 a.m. And I can still do that. I used to be able to do two nights, three nights, four nights in a row. I can do it one night still, and I will do that until the day I fucking die. I have forever been against the idea of concerts. Concerts are a nighttime event. They're concerts a nighttime go- event. They're a nighttime event. Always have been. But also, every artist knows this feeling of you having a weeknight show, and then your friends text you being like, I got work tomorrow. I can't make it. If we made it at 6 o'clock for the headliner... People might come out. Also, you got your loser friends who work in cube jobs who are fucking not getting out of work till 5.30. I personally keep it where it is. Concerts are a nighttime event. I want to go on stage at 10. Also, if you're one of my friends who's going to text me and say, I can't make it, you're a fucking loser because yeah, fuck you. you got to go exactly. to bed. You're fuck off. Johnny, what do you, Johnny, what do you think? I mean, I just responded to Dante when he posted that. I just said no. I didn't even read the article. I don't know what his uh, yeah, opinion no, that's was. That's exactly what I did. I refused to read that article. <laughs> I really refused to read that article. So when you brought it up, I was like, wait, what's he going to say about me? We're, we're taking our advice on when to go to concerts from Jamie Lee Curtis. That's a bold move in 2023. Love uh, to, that. To me, look, I mean, I've like, seen she's uh, been in the news a little bit. And I don't, I couldn't tell you the first thing about Jamie Lee Curtis other than I, I loved, uh, what is it, True Lies? True Lies, um, Smoke Show and True Lies. Absolute smoke, well, smoke I'm not show even talking about that. I just think that's a fantastic movie oh, yeah, uh, in which she is attractive, yes. But she just reeks so much Hollywood, and this oh, yeah. is probably such an unfair stigma. She might be a great woman that I actively avoid clicking anything with her name on it. I think she just had this, like, it was the Oscar blitz. Like, she yes. ended up winning it, and it was, you could tell, like, the PR machine was running on full steam 
for like four months pushing. So like, I don't even, it's not her fault almost. You know what I mean? Like once that machine starts rolling, you can't get away from someone. It's like, it's overexposure. Now look, there are cities where they do two shows a night, right? Like in New York, you go to Mercury Lounge and they have a 6 p.m. show and they have a 9 p.m. show. I still think you keep concerts where they are. It, it's I mean, a part I, of the I mean, I said this to Dante, like, the the main reason I think it is, it's not even about scheduling and timing, because, yeah, that all factors in. It's more that if you put something at 6 p.m. or even during the day, everyone's thinking, like, what am I doing next? I'm going to go have lunch or dinner, and then i got to do this and do that. It's like you kind of want the show to be like, this is what the whole day's led yes. up to, and everyone's focus and attention is on the show, and it makes it better for the musicians. It's not just like a selfish thing. I think uh, that's a very fair point. Well, there is a, a part of the ritual as well. There, like that, that is a part of it. It's a night out. It is the event of the night. I yeah. don't want people coming to my show thinking like, "All right, we bang this show out at six p.m. We can get to dinner by seven. No, your night is with yeah. the artist. I like that. Yeah. Now, that being said, I've also played shows at festivals and things where I have like a one two p.m. slot. It is kind of nice. You get people while they're oh, still the festival. Active. Oh no, as a band, it makes it's it's so nice being like support or early festival slot in early or late enough that there's like a good crowd. Yep. And then you can go party at a festival or go hang out backstage or whatever. So that's great. But if you're headlining and it's your show, you need people in the right mindset, and I'd say right. it's much more likely to happen at night. Oh, that is such a magical feeling, though, but being like 945, you're hitting it 10. Everybody's got a buzz going and you're right behind that curtain about to go on stage and there's a fucking palpable energy in the air. And you're like, yeah, this is what it's about. That would be a weird kind of a thing to balance at like 6 p.m. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. already banged up. There's that. that I will say this, though. I would take a 1230 p.m. Like before lunch shot, uh, slot in any Mexican or like Colombian festival over anything anywhere at any time in the States. Like it's also like the energy of the people. Cause I've been like most, like some of the best shows I've ever played have been daytime festival slots, but not yeah. in America. Like there's, I don't know, it's a different mentality, I think. Like they're ready to go at 2 p.m. Dave in, just in got Mexico back from Mexico City or whatever. Dave just got back from Latin America. They care about things more than we do. Oh, dude, it's it's hundred oh, percent truth, man. <laughs> it's it's the absolute. It's the truth. fucking truth. I want to I want to go and do like Latin America. I, I mean, because I, I always see videos of like Lala Brazil. It's nuts. Yeah, dude, nuts. that's that was that's the craziest thing I've ever find seen. something a country absolutely loves in a sporting event and go to it. Like I want to. I don't. I, I'm an anti-hipster hipster, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I kind of hate that. I don't give a flying fuck about the EPL, but I hate that so many pe people seem to fake like it in America yes. now. Agreed. That I kind of fucking hate it even more. We all have buddies, though, that randomly are a huge EPL guy. Yeah, they, yeah. There's, there's, I'm a few, the diehards don't count that, but like. Wait, sir, what are you saying? What, what are you saying? EPL? EPL, yeah. The soccer what? league. The Premier League. Premier League. Oh, English Premier League. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Donnie doesn't give a flying fuck about baseball, and he had the time of his life at those two baseball games. It looked incredible. It was so much fucking fun that I want to go to, like, a cricket match in India or uh, rugby in, in New Zealand. Like, to, yeah. like, they're the best Ooh. of the best for them. Yeah. I mean, like, well, that would be football for us, right? Like, if, if it's no, somebody from... But, not really, though. Like, I've been to a billion football, baseball, every single game. There is nothing as electrifying as that, and they do it elsewhere. 
to get to to get to like both your points on the music. I could see them being fucking wild at concerts in the UK or in, in, you know, uh, uh, Bogota, Colombia. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I would be interested to see people from Europe come and go to an, like an Eagles Cowboys game Sunday night. They at do the it. Rink. I get I get people random uh, like they pick NFL teams in in England, like like Americans pick their soccer teams kind of yeah. in, in the Premier League. And I get Outfits. probably about 10 to 20 a year. Just random English dudes will DM or email me asking for tips on Chicago because they're Bears fans and they're making their like pilgrimage this way. Hold on. I want to I want to bring this up because you you may you you said a good thing in there. It's a segue, right? The anti hipster hipster. Two artists just dropped new music this past week that I don't fully understand why people hate them so much. And I'm watching on other like music pundits talk about these two artists. Like they're like the worst of the worst. And I don't get it. Like when when an artist gets the hate behind them from like the media or like the fans and it starts to snowball into a meme, it's Macklemore and Logic, two rappers, right? Mm-hmm. That just are getting torn apart that are obviously very successful. Why do people hate Macklemore and Logic so much? I don't understand it. Like I, I'm, I'm actually a fan of both those people, but if you go online, the memes are just out of this fucking world. And I know Macklemore can be corny, and I know Logic is kind of a goofball. Like they tear the music apart too. Like I hate when the internet gets behind hating an artist that really doesn't fully deserve the hate. I agree. There's only a few people that deserve that kind of like vitriol from the internet. Jared R. Kelly? Leto. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, R. <laughs> Kelly, like the fucking. <laughs> you mean cr- you mean criminals? <laughs> yes, criminals. Uh, no. Well, no, I, I mean, like, uh, well, I, in my music, in my book, Jared Leto's music is criminal. Understand? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dude! Like, on what charges? Just being bad? Uh, just being uh, fucking corny. Said, corny. Who's ever said his music's good though? Oh, you can look. I mean, listen. I would love to have his fucking career. Like, have you seen oh, the yeah, shows he, he plays around the world? It's insane. Uh, I just, I just find like when I see videos of him, it's like, I, I can't watch them. They're, they're, they give me really bad feelings. I wish Kenny was here for this because I would love Kenny's input on Jared Leto. He's already given it to us before, but I, I, I would be, He went on tour with them. And he said he was a giant weirdo. Oh, well, duh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You ever, he is the biggest overactor in the history of movies. I just want to bring that up. Like that's such a pet peeve of mine. Like. Uh, see, he, as an actor, I think he's really good, but he has been awesome. But I can see him overdoing it in other roles as bro, well. D- if I hadn't seen Requiem his music, yeah, yeah. If I hadn't seen and like been aware of his music, and again, it's not the music's not even that bad. It's just something about his persona when yes. he's on on Instagram and all that shit. That's uh, like it makes me hate him as an actor, even even when Dude, he's being like objectively he, good. He is just a fucking weirdo, man. We all I, have that in. Th- in, yeah, in He's like he's one of those like oh the art is the art is the art is yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. fuck you just if it doesn't sound good it's not that doesn't make it like deep the yeah, only convincing role that he's never done a good job of acting is acting like a normal human being yes and I <laughs> just be fucking normal but like I heard he lived like actually lived in a like heroin house for requiem for, requiem a, dream. for a dream yeah yeah. Wow. Did you do you remember at the beginning days of the pandemic when he showed up like nine months later and said he was on a meditation retreat and hadn't realized what had happened in the world? So he's Aaron Rodgers? Even if that was true, he shouldn't have said it. He just looked like it was the douchiest 
statement I've ever seen. You got to look that up when he comes. He's Nobody, like, he's so fucking full of shit. Nobody on planet <laughs> Earth is that weird. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to sell the world that you didn't know the pandemic happened because you were meditating? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Even like, the Do- even the Dalai is- Lama was like, "Fuck off, Jared." Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that like nobody on planet Earth. I'm like so triggered by his name right now for some reason, but <laughs> I love it. like n- no, it's nobody on the planet Earth can possibly that be that dedicated to their craft. I don't care who or what you you are. You would have to be a fucking deity. No, do you know what the, the thing is? When you look at the people that are actually the greats, I don't know, it's like fucking George Harrison or something. Sure. They're not acting like that. No, they just are. Yeah, they're they just, just sincere are. people. They don't have yes. to put on the pretense of being an artist. They just are one. Or is, is there one, anything, whatever the is word there anything would be. worse than like going to see a show or going in the studio with another artist and you can tell they think that they're an artist? Bro, shut the fuck up up where i think music comes from elsewhere i don't know if you want to call it god you're lucky enough to capture it in the ether dude you don't have to prove to me that you're an artist just be a normal person man we talk about this all the time just be a normal person and jared leto if you want to you know go on a nine-month retreat and say that you don't know the corona happened (laughs) dude feel free he didn't do that dude he was sitting on a beach somewhere fucking every my ties you know it's like showing showing pictures of himself to his new girlfriend Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> and it just makes me think of like every like 2011 Brooklyn hipster who like that's the vibe that I get like of like the oh you don't understand my art shut the fuck up dude I yeah I, I, I think that's if I mean to summarize what I think is it is about him is it's the talking about it and the self importance because the great great artists there throughout history they've been like super artists, you know, like they're weird often a lot of times like Miles Davis, but you're not going to find Miles Davis talking about himself in that way. Like it was, it's impossible that you can find a clip of him doing that. Like you'll find clips of him being weird, being difficult in interviews, all the typical artist things, but not like, not in the same way. Yeah. But who are the most yeah, beloved it's, people? It's you ever, you ever see a video of uh, the notorious B.I.G. sitting down talking about his art? No, people liked him because he was just himself. He was just who he was. Like I couldn't imagine. Like it's hard for me to picture a lot of these like great artists. Like I, Dave, we talk about Skinner a lot. Can you imagine sitting there with like Ronnie Van Zant and being like, "Man, tell me about your art." He'd be like, "Give me that bottle of Jack Daniels and shut the fuck up." You know what I mean? Like that's that kind of what people love. Like for instance, because you used him as a specific example, they talk about how Gary Rossington would play a riff and he'd be like, "Keep playing that. I'll think of something off it." He would go fly fishing, come up with his music, and run back to the shed that they would record in his 15-year-olds or whatever. Yeah. And there was Sweet Home Alabama, you know? I mean, even fucking, like, think about, like, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. I picture them sitting in, like, extravagant hotel rooms in France while they're both dipped out on heroin, just being like, I got an idea for sympathy for the devil. But they weren't sitting around going, like, I have synthesized my art to this level. Yes. Shut the fuck up, dude. It's, it's like, ugh. <laughs> How many people have we interviewed on this podcast that are just normal people that have made great art? All you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. But Jared well, I think Leto's- that's part of the fact, like, artists aren't going to do this podcast. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you're talking about artist artists. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah guys like, are- I mean, like, oh, fake, no. like, yeah. They, they, it's I like, want that. Can we get one on? I don't know. Probably. You have to trick them. You can't call it Barstool Backstage. You have to call it... Uh, NPR Tiny Story Hour or something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah. Soporific hour with Colin and <laughs> Just, Dave, what's that thing from uh from fucking South Park where they all smell their own farts? The smoke. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, smug. Just get yeah. a nice air of smug in here, dude. Um, before we get to the interview, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about before getting to segments after, but as a baby of the fucking 90s, but like grew up through the 2000s through now, that piff, the mixtape platform has been very important to me. Mixtapes that you can't get on Spotify because the ser- the clearances were never sent, like the s- samples are never clear. All go on Dap Hip. Some of my favorite mixtapes from Action Bronson's Blue Chips through all the fabulous mixtapes, Meek Mill's early mixtapes, like Rich Forever by Rick Ross, all live on Dat Piff. And there is a rumor going around right now that Dat Piff may be going away because it's been offline for days. Dat Piff says it's not going away. That makes me terribly sad because that sucks. And I don't know if you guys have ever utilized that to listen to old mixtapes or anything like that, mm-hmm. but as a hip hop nerd, I get really into it. So that sucks. It's once again Spotify and Apple eating everything. But at the same time, it is a shittily run platform. I'm not going to lie. It takes me forever to try to get a fucking album to play on there. But that pip is so important. Like, that's Dude, so I was fun. just talking about this. Like, as convenient as these big, the big box uh, streaming services are that they integrate with your phone all that easily, the constant changing of licensing issues where mm. you add a song to your playlist, they, the license expires, they replace it with like the remastered version or. Yeah some other version and you're like that's not what I want I want that fucking version yep. it's 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 made me think like I need to find a way to purchase all of the music that I have um and just keep it because I'm sick of it getting changed and then also on like a super audiophile nerd side of things there's a couple of classical recordings that I've got that I had ripped from CDs way back in the day and they I listen to the versions that are up now on streaming versus those they've they've fucking changed like at an audiophile level, like the compression there or something is way different and not as good. So you don't really hear it on like loud records, but on quiet records, it's it's very, I mean, different. I personally would give any amount of money for Apple to bring back the iPod. I think the iPod was like the zenith of music consumption. The Mm -hmm. fact that I could put everything in one place. I didn't have the internet on it, so I couldn't be distracted. I could just have all my music. And I want one so badly right now so I could put my fucking phone in a closet somewhere and just listen to music. Because whenever I listen to music on my phone, I'm also browsing the internet. And it's bad for me, especially at the gym. I want an iPod Nano so bad. (laughs) Or just a big, chunky old iPod. I don't give a fuck. I don't. (laughs) You know how many iPods I broke by putting them through the wash? All of them. Dude, my dad used to, like, this is this is my dad to a T. Such a dickhead. If I would, like, this happened, like, five or six times with five or six different iPods. But to teach me not to leave my clothes, like, shit in my pockets in my jeans when he would go to do laundry, he would know the iPod was in there and send it through the wash. And I'd be <laughs> like, dude, what the fuck? And he'd be like, I told you, don't leave your fucking iPod in your jeans. I was like, they wasn't supposed to go in the, they weren't ready to go in the wash. And then I would get a new iPod and I would do the same thing. And he'd be like, dude, I told you. And then after a certain point, I think it was just spite. And I would just be like, dude, did you just do that again? <laughs> this is therapy hour with. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, this is going to come out 10 years from now. You're going to be on a couch oh, doing some God. good re- uh, regression work or whatever. What What's the randomest way that you ever got punished by your, like your parents? Like Dave, I feel like you probably got some good ones. Um, my mine was mine was more like psychological. <laughs> I mean, I gotten a couple of big trouble moments, but nothing like random like that. What was I, your biggest trouble moment? I've I've actually told this on air before. The only time my dad ever laid a hand on me, I was like fifteen, probably about uh, maybe 40, 14, 15. 
but I also matured earlier. I'm not saying my dad beat me ever, but <laughs> I was on AIM, like AOL and Messenger. I don't, Colin, yeah. I don't even know if you're old enough for that. No, I, was I had like, AIM. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, I was even on the tail end of it a little bit, but um, my mom was telling me to get off it because I was spending every fucking waking hour on it, and I muttered under my breath, shut up, bitch, and my dad threw me against the fucking wall. <laughs> As he should. To this day, I understand it. He should have. That's it. That's the only time he ever laid a hand on me. He didn't like strangle me or anything. He just like gave but me one of those. Up. Yeah, dude. I mean, I told you this story on the podcast before. The number one time ever my mom laying her hands on me is why I don't use the c word anymore. Dave's favorite word in the entire world. Go ahead, Dave. Say. I it. mean, cunt. Yeah, awesome. that's Dave's favorite word. Uh, I call. Wait, I is it? Do they say that in South Africa? Cunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got <laughs> other words for it also. Well, like give what? me, give me some. Give me the word that you use, the the exact word that you would use instead of cunt is puss. It's spelled P-O-E-S, puss. And there's something called- I've heard that before. A, yeah, puss clap, which means a, a cunt slap. It's when you, like an open-handed slap, kind of like what they're doing in UFC, like the slap thing. It's called oh, a, yeah, puss, yeah. a puss clap. Puss clap. You just fucking <laughs> puss clap someone. All right, Dave, you have new slang to start throwing I, around I love on it. But that's why I, I say it, because- Two of my buddy, or so my college roommate got drafted in pro for pro baseball, and he had two brothers on his team from New Zealand. Um, and they would they said it it was like their crutch word. It was right, and it yeah. was the funniest fucking thing to me because it was the first time I was ever really exposed to it in anything. So I would start saying it as a joke, and people are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you said that because it's such a vile word in the states." It is. Do you know what I like so about like that word? Joke. Is like it still has some power to it. Oh yeah. But what's it does. what's remarkable is like fuck still has power to it. I watched it a does, documentary yeah. on this. The first written version of fuck is something like fifteen hundred and something. So Sick. for five hundred and whatever years, That's that word power. is still got like you can't say that a lot of places. So now when I do podcast clips of our podcast. I intentionally bleep them the same way. Like it was cooler watching South Park with the bleeps. Do you know what yes. I mean? So I do that because like now the bleep is becoming its own way of uh, like power. Swear. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. if you just say fuck, like no one cares anymore, but you put that beep there like, Ooh, he said something bad. I learned, I learned the C word. I learned that word in like fifth or sixth grade and came home and called my dad it. Like, just, like he walked he walked in i this is how bad i got fucked up in this experience i was standing on the second step leading up to the upstairs my mom was in the kitchen making food and my dad walked in the front door to the right and he walked in and i said what's up you cunt and i didn't really know what i was doing yeah and my mom dropped the spatula took like three steps towards me said nothing planted her feet and smacked the shit out of me and i had no semblance of understanding what was going on and to this day when i hear that word i still kind of flinch like it's still kind of like and i just have the vision of my five foot two mom walking over me and slapping the holy hell out of me and she she didn't apologize either love it um all right that's good that's a good conversation going into yeah, this interview. just uh domestic or uh ch- child abuse uh with on the guest list. yeah look if you're if you're italian child abuse is okay i think it's just how you learn <laughs> I don't want to put that on everybody. That's, no, yeah, that's uh, okay. it. Probably shouldn't say that. No, nah, it's whatever. not. Is that any worse than part of my take doing a segment called uh, Herbert or Italian? You ever seen them do that? <laughs> Whenever they have an Italian guest on, they they're like, are you a pervert or are you Italian? Because no, when, I have not. But it's it's a fair question. Remember I when Cuomo, you don't remember when Cuomo said, "I'm not perverted, I'm just Italian." 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but <laughs> fucking having Cuomo as a representative of an entire, like, nationality of people is not a, like, you can't fucking group <laughs> everyone in because of fucking Cuomo. He just goes, Look, Man, I'm not perver- those are two assholes. I'm not perverted. I'm just Italian. Is a great. It's an all time quote. I want a t. I want like a boardwalk t shirt with that on it. God damn. All right, <laughs> dude. I thought that was my TV like turning off or something. That freaked me out for a split second. Yeah, people are gonna be driving, listening to this. Like, what the fuck was that? Uh, let's. Uh, we'll come out and we'll do on the list off list. Let's go into our interview now uh, with the host of the Allison Hagendorf Show, former head of Spotify Rock. Allie Hagendorf. Yeah! How you feeling? You feel all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Barstool backstage on the guest list this week. This is one I've been waiting for. I'm really excited about this. Aww. We have the host of the Allison Hagendorf show, the former head of Spotify Rock, Allison Hagendorf. Allie, how are you? Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Thank <laughs> you. I'm flattered and I'm psyched to be here. So it's all, it's all good. Oh man! I gotta I'm, ask: Is it Hagendorf or Hagendorf? It's Hagendorf. It is Hagendorf. Yes, it was like a Philly thing that he was throwing in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, dude. It was a guess. I mean, it's sort of open to interpretation at this point. I I say Hagendorf, but it's kind of like anything goes. It could have just been my accent. All A's are or Hagen. That's like right. I, it's, right. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say off the bat that you're out platinum record recording us? Oh, it's the and that's pretty that's pretty rude to come on our show and have more platinum records than even the famous ken ken carkeet you know i do have a, a strong record game here i'm gonna actually go next level uh uh, uh still going still going wow uh, i just guys. have pictures of my family and shit this sucks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know this is this has been one like an interview that like since I started the original podcast that we've had been like, who should come on? So we have so many like musicians that listen to the podcast and they're like, get Ellie Hagendorf on, get Ellie Hagendorf on. It's like an uh-huh. inside baseball thing. Get Ellie Hagendorf on. And it's finally happened. So I can't thank you enough for being here. I, I, I'm really flattered. That's so nice to hear. Do you realize like how many people, I guess in the rock world that we live in are interested in your place and what you do and what you know, like, do you realize how many musicians are interested in that? Um, I mean, I have some sort of indication. I mean, I, I, I talk with so many musicians just like on Instagram or whatever, but I didn't, you know, I, maybe I didn't realize the magnitude. So that's really always nice to hear. Thank yeah. you. For sure. Yeah. That's been something we've talked about on the podcast before. I think me and Kenny were having a conversation a while back to be like, it's so funny to look at Ellie's Instagram and see how many like famous bands will comment and be like, Hey Ellie, what's going on? And it's like, uh, yo, <laughs> who's the most famous band you've ever had hit you up? Um, I would say the most famous band, well, one I've interviewed them before, but I've connected with was Queen. I mean, I mean, Ryan May and Roger Taylor, it's not going to get bigger than that. You know, I mean, that was, that was one of those like out of body moments. Like I was like, what's happening right now? You know, how do you you respond to Brian May? It's like, dude, thank you for everything. (laughs) I mean, and here's the thing, because I really pride myself in my interviews and my prep for my interviews. Okay. That band has been interviewed. I mean, how many times over decades upon decades, it's sort of like, what do I even talk about? But I, I treat each interview almost like, like a research paper. Like I do Mm. it dive like I really spend time researching I watch everything I find like clips like I do a real deep dive so I think maybe that sort of impressed them that I had done such a deep dive but I got the two of them to talk about the other one and they were like 
brotherly love. Um, so that was kind of a good angle. It's it was pretty a good cool one. to hear about the research that you put into all that stuff, considering we <laughs> we're an off the cuff kind of wing it <laughs> group here. I think that Maybe I'm, we're... I think I'm the anomaly, the amount of research I do. I think that that's not the, the we're like, what's up? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, we, we literally bring people in and like, yeah, so what are you doing? That's, <laughs> end, that's the end of the research. <laughs> That's not true. Colin, don't sell yourself short. You do some research. I do. You guys yeah. don't do shit. You know what? Colin is a, no. yeah, this is compliment time. Colin is actually a great host and does a lot of the organizational and research and stuff. So you're a great person for him to look up to, honestly. Well, the reason why I have to do research is because I don't have platinum plaques behind me. I can't skate by on things I've already done. I have to impress people now. <laughs> you're impressing me. I'm already impressed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That's all I've ever wanted to hear. But you're here today to talk about, and it's something we were going to do this a while ago, and you were like, I have a new venture coming. I'd like to talk about that. You've launched the Allison Hagendorf show. You've already had Tom Morello. You've already had one of, I guess we're kind of like, I don't know, rivals at this point. You had Gavin Rossdale, who we had on last week. How's it been thus far diving into more of the interview world? I have to tell you, it's been an unbelievable experience um, to have guests because I'm doing all the outreach myself, you know, just mm. like kind of hitting everyone up, you know, I'm like, would you be interested in doing it? And for people to come on and be excited to talk and, and not even asking like who else, you know, is going to be on the show is really, it's warming my heart and it's really warming my heart. And, you know, I'm really, I am a lover, you know, I really am genuinely a positive person and I always want to unite people and celebrate their stories. So I think that I do create a safe space for guests. They know I'm not going to get in there and, you know, make them really uncomfortable. In fact, I want to talk about what they haven't yet shared before, yeah. you know, so I mean, we have a great lineup. We have a lot of guests coming up that are not musicians, a lot of actors, because really the show is just about a celebration of the love of music and the rock and roll spirit. So we had Brock O'Hearn on already, who I is, he's such a rock star. I love him. So it's cool because you'll have like, you'll have Joan Jett and Brock O'Hearn and we have so many interesting people coming up. Uh, I will share that this week we have Cheryl Crow. What? Oh, yes. no, no. Another moment for me to be like, wow. This is a, a career moment, a life moment, really, because she's incredible. Yeah. Can I? Dave, you just, you just like stumped the entire group right there because we were like, we have uh, you, and then we have, uh, we have Gin Blossoms this week. And I was like, I love Gin that. Blossoms. By the way, one of the coolest interviews ever. Like, literally, wow. a, a, one of the coolest fucking interviews ever. But Cheryl Crow? Yeah. Right? I mean, what, she's in a league of her own. What was that like? I was genuinely nervous because I respect <laughs> her so much and have been a fan for ages. I don't know if you guys watched the Cheryl documentary. Mm -mm. Um, I watched it not once, but twice. But she is just such an inspiration. Uh, she's really, she's just one of a kind. Because obviously she's not just a singer or songwriter. She's a multi-instrumentals producer. She's been producing her own album. She's produced for her heroes. She also is one of those people who connects the generational artists, you know, mm -hmm. so she'll have like Willie Nelson and then it'll be Brandy Carlisle. She just plays this very unique role of being that thread between the generations. And she's a mother of two boys. So, of course, I connect with her on that. I have two little boys. So it was amazing. And she was just as wonderful and gracious and humble as you would hope and expect. I love Cheryl's story because I, I, we had somebody recently on talking about this. And it was kind of like she had a really poppy album that the, the label actually shelved 
Oh, it was Gin Blossoms. They were talking about this. Oh, wow. They, they were on the same label early on, and they were talking about how their label really fostered long-term careers. And they said that Cheryl had a pop album that the label said, this isn't you. And they gave her more money and time to create what she actually sounded like. People don't give Cheryl Crow enough credit for being an absolute badass musician. She's a fucking monster, dude. She absolutely is. And you're right. Her first album, which never was released, you know, they went through it. There was like a big budget and just sonically it was not who she was or wanted to be. And that first album is a big deal, you know, so I'm glad that it all worked out because um, that would have just they would have set the tone like in the, in the wrong direction for her. Yeah, 100 percent. And I like the thing I do like about you specifically is you do have a love of a genre that we love that is in a weird place right now. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll has a, a weird kind of identity crisis. And you've been such a, uh, I don't know how to use the word gatekeeper, but a shepherd of people towards the genre over the last few years. Where do you see rock and roll right now? That's true. I do consider myself a rock and roll missionary. Mm. And, and my whole thing is to pay homage to the past. But we have to, have to, have to evolve the genre and look to the future. Otherwise, we're just always going to wear ACDC shirts, which I'm proud to do. And I'm wearing it run right now. I just wore but, one to the gym earlier. I'm not going to lie. I just yeah, took my ACDC to. shirt off. But you got to. You got to. And look, I love my Led Zeppelin. These, You know, I love my nine. Obviously, I'm 90s. Like 90s alternative rock's my favorite. But I'm equally excited and passionate about featuring and showcasing the next generation. We have to. You know, mm. it's like... You know, and everyone's like, oh, what kind of music you like? And everyone's like, everything. Like, that's not my answer. Um, and it's definitely not just rock and alternative, by the way. It's not. I actually love, I love dance music. I love, I love like drum and bass. I love like random like R&B that people would be surprised to hear. But rock and alternative, I feel like it's like I have to wave the flag and help usher it along. I think we're in a great place. To answer your question, I think we are in a great place. I think we're in the best place we've been for rock in a long time like in a long time i feel like when i first came to spotify it was 2016 i felt like we were in a weird place Mm. um and i felt like i needed to really kind of like ignite reignite not just the music but the culture and the scene of it you know and i my whole thing was i'm going to showcase things that are either controversial or people say is that really rock you know or with this person's doing a rock album and i was like yes yes they are and yes i am here for it because what i don't like is when people are like that's not rock enough or Mm. it's no no devil horns enough and like look i love all of those things that those people also love i think i'm also unique that i really do genuinely love the full spectrum i don't really hate on anything in the in the genre but you have to have an open mind and an open heart and just celebrate because we just need to unite and move forward. I have a question. It feels like it's needed a bit of a space though, Rock. Like every every genre goes through periods where it needs space. Like I feel like country's done the same thing and it's having a big comeback moment. And I think I personally think it's horrible because they <laughs> came back and tried to merge into what pop was as opposed to find a new avenue that's more perhaps like pulling from the past and it's perhaps good to have rock have a moment where it's not down but you know it's a it's a valley and it can come back and hopefully it doesn't like we don't see too many 808 hi-hats come into (laughs) it you know and where where it it just is like we need to keep up with the times and then try and like merge itself in a weird way with pop music or something 
Well, I think we're in a good place because there's so many different things happening simultaneously. So for example, let's take Gen Z for a second. Um, we have we have Gen Z icons like Youngblood, like Willow, who are doing genuinely great music, and they are both superstars, you know? So I think that's really important. And I do think that TikTok is a good thing. Um, it doesn't nope. replace... It doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> now, it does not... I think where people get confused is because people have, like, a song that went viral, and like, oh, that person's a superstar, or right. will have continued success. Like, that's not necessarily the case. But it's a good means for someone who is very talented and who has been doing the work to just get them in front of more people. So it doesn't replace talent, hard work, or any of those things, but it is a good platform. I like it because it put Fleetwood Mac in front of an entire new generation, you right, know, yeah. or it's putting, you know, we just, well, see, you know, can, can I, fights. can yeah. I push back? I've always wanted to say that on a podcast. <laughs> push I don't back. actually mean to, no, I don't actually mean to push back, but I, this is more actually more of a segue question to what we started with in terms of the the impact at playlisting that you saw kind of from the inside of the power of what a playlist could do to where now you have algorithmic power taking over in a lot of ways. And you're seeing Spotify itself is starting to shift a lot of their focus to AI or like algorithmic driven playlisting. How, what impact do you think that's going to have on it where you actually seeing like it's one thing for a person or a group of people to have an influence on it for now, like this amorphous thing that's just receiving feedback going like, oh, this is big. That's big. How, do you think that's a negative, positive or whatever impact? I think at the end of the day, no algorithm can replace the human spirit. Mm. I want to agree with you so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, don't. I no, I don't know if I disagree. I just I'm, I'm with you. Like, in, I I, I, I have a things. faith in a human spirit thing, but it's it is a, it's scary occasionally from the artist side of things to see what's possible. I, to be fair, Johnny fears AI more than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> he he <laughs> really does. Two, I think they're different things. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. I think the word music. There's music that's music product. You know, there's music for different things. There's music that's a, a feel good music. There's music that's like musical you know there's just i think that they're all different things and they all serve their purpose the issues or the controversy is when we're all talking about in the same way but they're all different mm. so i think that an algorithm is valuable because it can introduce a listener to a whole new breadth of artists that they've never heard before a lot of unsigned artists or just artists that are sort of similar and then the and then the, the listener can decide whether they want to listen to it or not right. but an algorithm is great for many things for artist discovery, but at the end of the day, a human who knows a lot about the music, I mean, think, think about it. If there was, um, let's say you love wine. I do. So that's why I'm bringing up this, this answer. If there was sort of a program that was like, oh, you like this wine, try this one. Okay, that's cool. That'd be interesting. But if there was a sommelier who I loved and trusted and they have a track record with me, I would much yeah. rather hear from the sommelier than the auto-generated, you might like this wine too. You know, there's some there's okay, a lot cool. of interesting points that I think in there. One, I think there is a difference between the algorithm and the human influence because how else will we find bands with 1,200 monthly listeners that have the most incredible stuff that an algorithm just can't pick up? Secondly, I think someone, a company like Pandora 
has been huge in that algorithm of playlisting for a long time. And everybody loves their Pandora radio, which I do as well. Whatever their engine is, does a good job of that. But I still think that, like she's saying, that human influence on like, I think this is awesome. And I think people should hear that, which leads me into, I have a thousand questions for you. I love it. One being most everybody, um, pair your position at Spotify with like, that's the best, most coolest fucking thing in the whole world, yada, yada, yada. But you were saying that you felt a responsibility, right? To kind of curate what a lot of people are listening to. Was that ever, I don't want to say negative, but like a heavy pressure that you thought about and was like, you know, what I say does matter. And so what I put out there is really important. I never felt a pressure in that capacity because I had confidence in what I was featuring. Mm -hmm. I had a pressure that I wanted to help everyone. Right. And, and when mm -hmm. I tell you everyone, I knew of every release worldwide that was coming out in remotely considered the rock and alternative space. Um, and I wanted, and I did help as many and support as many artists as I could. I, I would create playlists just for another way to support another place mm. to support songs and, and to get artists heard. I really I like did. That. Have did you have a massive security team around you? Because I feel like you must have been a target for labels, <laughs> like just like to, because I mean, yeah. Speaking like from Kenny, and I'm sure everyone in this room has probably emailed you at some point saying, "Hey, check out new release coming out X Y Z date." Um, that you must have felt like pressure from people though to like this is the song we're going with. And where do you find that balance of like, there's a lot of people to keep happy. I, I couldn't do that. It's like, it's difficult, really admirable to kind of keep, to juggle that. Thank you. It was intense for sure. Um, <laughs> I definitely had, had some dreams at night where like I had no doors on my house. <laughs> <laughs> and people were like coming at me like from different angles um, all the time. And that I did feel that. But I always adapt an attitude of gratitude. And when I would get overwhelmed, I would say, how grateful am I that I get to be in this wonderful position where I can help so many artists and celebrate so many artists. And that's just what I would do. And I would be psyched that I had that job and I would find mm -hmm. art. And I would love to find songs that no one had heard before or from artists that were independent. Like that was sort of my favorite thing, like being first on young blood or, you know, helping grandson get a record deal or, you know, just yeah. like unsigned stuff. Like I loved doing that. I, that was like the most joyous, you know, Chad Tepper is doing great right now. Like being the first person to play, actually being the first person to playlist Willow, you know, in her alternative music, like being first, is something that's really important to me and that I'm really proud of. Was there well, I guess that's kind of a human element that there is a pride, like everyone loves being the person that tells, have you heard this? And like, no, and then you blow their mind with it. That That's such a human trait that is obviously then valuable because mm -hmm. it's what's driving like selection in a way, like in a almost in a profound way. You should do some uh, Jungian dream work on what that dream means <laughs> and see, see if you can pin it on. Because in all my reading of Jung, I think open doors and all that is uh, label execs. <laughs> that He wrote about that in the 20s, I'm pretty sure. I love that. You are either a great person or a fantastic actor because I could not live with that pressure of everybody looking at me and saying whether or not it was true because I still don't know like everybody looked at you 
And they were like, this is the one person controlling the space. I don't even know if you realize that, but so many people who were on the outside looked at it and said, that's the one person I need to contact to make sure my dreams happen. I can tell like, you that that your email address was the most heavily sought after thing yes. I ever found in my career. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I never gave it out once. I would also, uh, it's true. No, I would also like the listeners yeah. to know that every time I emailed you, you emailed me back straight away and it, it really meant a lot and now we're going to go into a little bit of compliment time real quick because i just want to say that <laughs> in the industry and i feel like this is a, is a general consensus 50 percent of radio people and i don't know if it's right to lump you into there but streaming radio is kind of where i live 50 percent of radio people just like being there and the other 50 percent love music and i think mm. everybody knows that you're on the love music side and it's been incredible to watch and a really good feeling to know that whether you were like the gatekeeper, as some people would call it, we felt comfortable and safe with you there. So oh, I think that's a thing. Wow. It's that, true. That's really the biggest compliment I could receive. I, I will confirm that I am first and foremost a music fan. I mm -hmm. genuinely am the biggest music fan. I love music. Way. I love the culture behind it. I love the scene. I love the camaraderie between the bands, the artists, the festivals, the shows. Like that's where I live. You know, I grew up wanting to be. My mother grew up in an American bandstand and she would like show me reruns. And I thought Dick Clark was the coolest thing because he was the liaison between the artists and the fans introducing. And then I'm, I'm the MTV generation. So I wanted mm -hmm. to be a DJ on MTV, you know? So I always kind of wanted to be that person that would hear about the music first from the artists and then get everyone else excited about it. Yep. You know, that's great. Always. You, you did it. So congratulations. Uh, <laughs> and you're, the thing I, is, you're still doing it too. And like stepping into a different space. And I think it kind of connects to two journeys. Like, is there anything you've ever been either now or then nervous to showcase? Like I think of an artist like Machine Gun Kelly to where Machine Gun Kelly took that step. And a lot of people did not like it. A lot of people were upset about it. And you, sh you kind of helped to usher that era in of Machine Gun Kelly and Willow and people like that. Like, was yeah. there ever a trepidation on your point to be like, People might fucking hate this. I knew that when Machine Gun Kelly came out, that that was going to be controversial, and I didn't care. I objectively thought the music was great. I think he, I think he's a superstar. I, I mean, I know he's a superstar. There was a moment. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little juxtap, like a little, a little like context for the Machine Gun Kelly thing. I went to the Troubadour, and it was the Limp Bizkit show. Limp Bizkit did a show at the Troubadour. I tried to get tickets, couldn't get them. And it was one of those. <laughs> should have emailed Allie, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I went to the Limp Bizkit, the Troubadour show, and it was one of those nights that I'm like, wow, like I'm in my element. I'm having the best time. I'm in the balcony, and next to me is Billy Corgan and Marilyn Manson. And it's just like one of those like moments. Like I always, I always take a step back to be grateful and be like, would 15 year old self like right now? Like this is just like a very surreal moment. And then all of a sudden, Machine Gun Kelly is there in the crowd and he jumps on stage and he starts rocking out with Fred. And I saw Machine Gun Kelly in a light that I'd never seen him before. You know, I was not really a fan of his music before. I just, I knew he was, but like that. And he stepped on the stage. I'm thinking the whole time, if he was just born at a different time, he'd be like the biggest rock star. Mm. And I remember thinking that. And that was that. And then like years passed. And then when the music came out, I'm like, wow, this is objectively awesome. I think the album is great. I think that he and Travis is a perfect collaboration. I genuinely love that album. So I was like, here we go. 
That's I, I like that. Once again, it comes back to the human thing. You saw him in an element before the product was given. Right. And that stuck with you. Yeah. Which is something that I don't know really happens as much anymore. And, and you know, call it the pandemic or call it call it that gap in live music. Like, I don't know that there's that much. I don't know, seeing people in that light anymore. I feel like so much of it is just hand delivered already. And maybe we need to get back to seeing people in their more human elements. We absolutely do. I mean, that's why being at, for rock and alternative, the live show is everything. So it's like, that's why I'm from New York. I moved here onto the Sunset Strip across from the Roxy. Wow. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. I would go to the Roxy and the Troop, every venue. Like I just made sure I would see all these artists because being pitched them is one thing, but I had to really see them to understand what they were. That, mm. That's where you see what the music yep. is, Agreed. you know? Um, I, that's why I really I pride myself in really knowing the culture and the artistry, um, not just hearing the music being pitched to me. That You don't have to list any names, but have you ever been pitched something really hard and just not seen it? Like oh, where you've got... Where you've been pitched something hard by a label or by a PR or something, and then you go do your deep dive, investigate, and just don't see it. Oh, like I'm not feeling what they're pitching. Yeah, to I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to like right, no, crap, totally. crap on any uh, name, but um, not. <clears throat> I would say not really because I'm also able to separate what I like as a fan versus mm-hmm. what the listener should hear. Right. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. That makes so sense. So I'm also able to confidently program and feature artists even if i don't like them because i understand the potential or what or how they'll connect with listeners so it definitely goes beyond me and my tastes you know see that that's where you're so different i think than all of us and that's why it's why obviously you were the right person for this position because there there's so many music critics in the same way that can only write, I would be one of these. Like I'd be, I would only be able to write about what I like and I would either not write about or I would shit on everything else. And that's not a good thing for a music critic or for someone who's in head of a playlist. You need someone who's able to look, step outside themselves. If I, Johnny, so that, Johnny, that's really cool to hear. Johnny would write 5,000 articles about Congos and that's about it. <laughs> Dude, if I, I don't, I don't believe in self-promotion. If I created a Spotify playlist, <laughs> there'd be three songs on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I mean, love Congos. So, uh, wow, you're the one. That's great. You know where we got your email from? This is a very inside source. Your brother-in-law, Adam. <laughs> oh my did, god! Yeah, yes. he did a bunch of editing for us on a documentary series we work. And we, I don't know how we met him. It might have been through Kenny. Everything's always through Kenny. It's amazing. Uh, I love. Yeah, that. and he, and he was doing some work for us, and he was just telling us like, oh yeah, my. My sister-in-law, I don't even know if you were married at the time. I can't remember. It was a while ago. And he's like, then my sister-in-law is Ali Hagendorf. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's like one of the, like Colin's saying, like, everyone knows you. You're like, oh, well, how can we make contact here? Because we've got a song. Actually, you know, like, no one can stop that going as an artist in their head. But how that was many, our... How many... I want to take a second to tell you. No way. Yeah. I love this song. <laughs> okay, so then let me ask you, how many, because I've also seen, you're obviously super into fitness and working out. How, how many times have you been pumping iron to come with me now? That I'm would just boost, yeah. Yeah, boost my ego just for, for the day. I will make this statement about that song, about Come With Me Now. It's a good, it's a go-to for me. 
Oh. I would wow. say if I were to make a general mix for someone that I think everyone, like a, like a crowd-pleasing playlist, I'd put that song on it. Nothing has ever made well, me more upset in my entire life. <laughs> that is a, I would say nothing's made me happier is hearing Colin say that. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's yeah, it was we're lucky. That one's one That's of those a great song. lucky came out of the, the ether and clicked with people, and there's nothing we had to do with it. You know, you know what I mean? Like we were there when it came out, but I don't know how we did it. <laughs> but that's that's when you know a song is truly magic. That yeah. I hear so many stories about songs like that. And those are like the best songs that just, they just happen organically. They just kind of happen on their own. Like, yeah, thing. I have, I get, have... get the ego out of the way. Somehow it, it does work. I need to remember yeah. that. <laughs> this con this conversation actually makes me really, really happy. And I I'll explain why kind of, because uh, Kenny and, and Johnny run in more of like, have in the past run in these bigger circles of like, <laughs> fuck you, <Colin. laughs> fuck you. Like uh, the, 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 the major label system, right? And I've always run on the other side of the road where I've always been like, fuck that shit. Uh, let's stay independent. Not that anybody's ever offered me a major label deal, but I'll, I'll continue. <laughs> and just just always having this thought in my head. And as most independent artists do, and I contact, I have contact with a lot of them because in a way I'm fucking running in that circle. And it's kind of like, did does someone have control? Or is somebody actually like sorting through this stuff or is it all just fed? Like these playlisting situations, are they all just fed? Is it all major label bullshit? Blah blah blah. But to actually get to talk to you and actually hear you speak about the culture and the artists and things like that, this it kind of shines a little bit of a light that there's still hope and humanity left in this whole thing. Uh -huh. Like, do you, like once again, do you realize how many people like look at you and go <laughs> like, "This person is that important"? Well, I never kind of looping what you said before. I never felt pressure about oh, everyone's going to look at what I'm programming, because I felt confident in what I was programming. I did feel pressure um, from the volume of artists mm. like, hoping to get on a playlist, you know, yeah. and, and genuinely caring. I think that's what it is. I genuinely care. I care so much. Yeah. I really want to help all of these artists and even putting one song on a playlist can really, really help. You know? Oh, it'll change people's lives. Yes. Yeah. So um, each week I, I would actually go through and listen to like thousands of songs. I'm not kidding. Like I would, That's I really like, I, I also think I'm not normal. <laughs> <laughs> there needs good. to be a documentary about you because that's like, it's a, it's a kind of like a, it's a sweet moment. I don't know how else to put it. That's like, what I'm saying. Everyone's is... got this cynical view of the world and then to, you know that you could easily i can i'm picture here's my hollywood pitch like you picture the scene and like it's you on a friday night listening to like a thousand <laughs> songs by some yeah. indie artist and it's like that's a cool scene now i will say this it is a beautiful moment right at the same time i'm picturing the cynical indie artist sitting at home going like they never even listen to this shit it's all just major label bullshit and then them sitting at home listening to this going like Oh, she did listen to everything. Or she just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I really. <laughs> yeah. That's what I I'm really actually did. thinking right now. No, and speaking of cynicism, I got one more quite one more real real yeah. question, quote unquote. Um, a conversation that we have on this podcast a lot uh, is the ongoing trend of, I don't know how else to put it, shit loads of music that gets yes. uploaded every single day. Uh, whether it's a good or bad thing, or it makes it harder or easier to find good music, quote unquote. You like. Do you have any opinion on 
on on whether it's good or bad or, or whether it's easy to make music or or like just the sheer amount of volume yeah, of music that volume. comes out these days. What does that mean to you? Well, one, I'm jealous because had all of this been available when I was younger, I'd be a right. superstar right now. Right. I yeah, always right. literally want it's all I wanted to be was a rock star. I was in a band, the yeah. whole thing. It was oh. such hard work that I eventually just I had to like get a job and you know right. couldn't commit to it because good old fashioned when I was in a band I, I would drive my friend's motorcycle to practice every night and work all day and then practice at night and then you're like playing the Continental in New York City and like you know it's yep. really just to get people get your music in front of people so one I'm jealous that that's this is an option now for for people um but no, you I mean, know you could just slide some of those old mixtapes into a playlist and you yep. could have that moment come true. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I've been asked how to sing on a bunch of people's songs. So you oh, might wow. hear from me. But um, I think that because the volume is so insane and like every week it'd be more and more and more music. The good thing about that is the really great stuff really shines. Yeah. So like when I picture me like literally sitting on my laptop, like clicking on like every like thousands of songs, like picture me going click, click, click. And like most of them just I'm only listening to like, of course, a yeah. little bit, 30 you know, yes. So I would just go through, go through, go through. And then like when something would actually, and by the way, I'm working while doing this, you know what I mean? I'm like multitasking. So like when a, I'd hear a song that would actually make me stop and be like, oh, what's this? It mm -hmm. would really, really shine. And then I would like do the deep dive. Like, wait, I need to learn more about this. Like, wow. who is this? what is this? You know, what are they playing? How can I see them? So it made me really appreciate the songs and the artists that stood out. Who is the number one band that you had a hand in breaking that just came across your desk that way? It wasn't, it wasn't pitched to you necessarily. Somebody gave it to you and then you wound up jumping on that train and then it wound up snowballing. Oh man. I mean, you have yeah. enough gold records behind you that something happened. <laughs> yeah. Platinum, Colin. I, Platinum. I, I think that maybe the story for that is Youngblood. Now, yeah. Youngblood was all was signed, was signed. Right. But he was, you know, being signed doesn't mean right. anything. Yep. Right. So he had <laughs> he had had been signed and the label was like, I think you're gonna like this kid. Like, you know, like take a listen. And I well, firstly, I was obsessed with the music. I thought it was fantastic. But then I did my due diligence as I do. Okay, I love the music. I need to see what this is. And I had lunch with Dom mm. and he sat down and he blew my mind. And I said, wow, this kid is an absolute global superstar. This kid is it. This is it. Like I literally was like, he is going to be massive, like arenas. Like I knew this from literally talking to him, hearing his music. And I think he had maybe played maybe played the Roxy at that point. I, I can't even remember the timeline because he's such a prolific artist in every capacity, but I knew it. Like I knew it. I knew it. He made it happen. Like he is such a talent. He not only manifested it, but he envisioned, he's a visionary. He made it all happen. But I knew I'm like, I'm putting everything I have into Youngblood. This kid is a global superstar. And that was, wow. I mean, that was now it's how many years ago? That's six years ago. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm very, very proud that that I was on that very, very early. Um, yeah. I mean, young blood. Okay, one more question wow. from old I'm Ken. so grateful for him. Grateful <laughs> for him. I think he's so awesome. 
one more question from old Ken Dog. Um, speaking of like <laughs> your love for music, right, and finding things and being the first two, who are some people that you think the whole world should know about that doesn't know about? Ooh. If you had just off the cuff. Oh my god! Well, that know, list. It's a, it's a big question. That list is like really goes on and on. So. Oh man. Um, so on my show, uh, the Allison Hagendorf show, it's a, it's a celebrity interview show. It's every Friday and it's going to be the interview part is the main part, but then I also have my sound advice and each week I'm going to feature three to five songs that you need to know of up and coming artists. Love and that. then I also have the Allison Hagendorf show playlist. That's like the companion playlist to the show. So if you check out the playlist, it's on every platform. It will have the interview and then also the songs from that week. So I'm using that sound advice as an opportunity to to feature bands and uh, artists of all. Hey, Colin, do you remember when I suggested that we do that? That's so weird. Penny, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have no shit to worry about. You I, I fucking It's a it. lot of work. It's a lot of work because you know I'm still like going it's through It's a lot everything. of work. And I really appreciate what you're saying because – not to toot our own horn, but we've had some big guests on this podcast. It's been great. We have Ice Cube and Black Keys and all these great people. Um, but I always think it's so important. I want people to know what I'm listening to right now. We already know what the whole world is listening to. And I want to. I always want to push like, I just found this band. I found this artist or whatever. I think it's super important. So I love that you're doing that. It's great. Yeah. You know, I think it's a really exciting time. Again, back to why it's a great time for rock music. And I said, you know, because we have like, for Gen Z, we have like Youngblood and Willow who are great, but we have like scenes again, you know, mm. first of all, the UK in general has always been, I mean, they, the majority of bands I love are from the UK. It's like my sound advice. I'm like, I feel like why is everyone from the UK? But <laughs> I think it's just because in general that those countries support rock and alternative just more than America. Yep. So just, you're going to have that. I mean, you can go to Reading and Leeds and all those festivals and it's like, wow, it's just like, I don't even know if we have anything that's, that's, that's comparable. I mean, it no. was, it was pretty insane. Um, it makes me so happy. I remember going to Reading and Leeds a couple of years ago. Again, it was Youngblood's first time playing and I kind of went with him. Like I was like following him around, um, mm -hmm. supporting him, but I like was in tears at Reading and Leeds. Cause I was like, wow, this is wonderful. This is absolutely wonderful that uk ireland scene right now with like idols and fontaine's dc and sam fender like i've been preaching this Murder on the podcast capital. just saying just saying like what are they doing over there that we're not doing and i think with bands like i don't know like turnstile and things like that we're getting something here that kind of represents that but like the legit fucking heart of rock and roll is still alive with bands like that like that we makes still me drink alcohol happy. there yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they have better meth. I don't know what it is. I love Doing touring, something right. Touring arenas and stuff with big bands. You go backstage just catering. It's like smoothies and juices and veggies and all this stuff. You go in the UK and it's just pub beer. Here we go. Oh, I thought you were making a, uh, an alcohol versus weed argument. I was going to agree with that also. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think weed is good for certain kinds of rock and roll. No, it's I not. agree. <laughs> it's not. Like, <laughs> Kenny brings this up, though. It's a great point, though. As an artist, there's nothing more startling than the first time you go to a real rock star's catering at their show. Because <laughs> the biggest show we ever did was we, we opened for Bon Jovi a couple years ago at a stadium. And we went from playing clubs where they gave us, like, crudite or, like, fucking, I don't know, like, salami <laughs> on a plate. And then we, the same week, we opened for Bon Jovi at a stadium, and there was a full spit-roasted pig. 
And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? This is not the same thing. Like, where are we right now? Right, right. Are you guys excited about Sleep Token? I really am. What is Sleep Token? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Oh, know. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Not to know. I always assume everyone knows everything just because I'm. Just this is why top. you're here. This is the exact reason why you're here. Curate me. Let me know. Oh, Sleep Token's really cool. I actually featured them in one of my sound advice episodes. But so they have a song called "The Summoning." That's the song to check out. Um, All right. Um, so Sleep Token is like, I don't even know how you would describe it. I guess it's kind of like alternative metal, but they're so dynamic that the vocal is almost closer to like a pop R&B vocal. But the, the music is so dynamic where it's like metal, alternative metal, hard rock, but then like there's like a complete change up, then it's like literally like an R&B song. So it's so cool. We wear masks. Actually, I asked Corey Taylor how he felt about it. He's like big fan, big supporter. No one knows who they are. UK. We just had, we just had uh, Jay Weinberg on. We were kind of asking him the same question. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, this is fucking awesome. I'm yeah. so happy this happened. Like, I, I can't say this enough, but once again, there was an air of mystery around Alison Hagendorf in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, being an artist that's working up this way, like, you've always been that figurehead for, like, the last, like, stretch of time being like, okay, I, I always just wanted to know whether or not, and this is like such a weird thing. Like, were you a real person? Do you know what I mean? Because you <laughs> look at it, and it's like you could have just been a computer. I have no idea. I was I a real, a really real person, and and that's actually why I wanted to do this show too, just so I can actually connect with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like behind the curtain, and that was frustrating for me. That's not where I am. You know, I mean, I'm. As you can tell, I'm, a, I'm a, again, I'm a lover. I'm a people person. I want to connect with everyone. So You're one of us. Honestly, you're one of us, dude. This is fucking sick. Well, yeah, it seems like a perfect platform you, for you to continue doing, in some respects, what you're doing, like you're saying, with the sound advice, but then just bring, yeah, show the human side of it a lot more. Where So now Colin can't have all his conspiracy <laughs> theories about I you anymore. conspiracy <laughs> theories. I had questions. You know it is? I was proud of my playlisting, but I felt like I couldn't give anyone context for the songs. Right, so, right. So now on my show, after the interview, I do the sound advice. I literally just talk about five songs. And I talk about the song, why I love them, where they're from, who their influences are, like what lyrics I like. And then you can go to the playlist and just listen to the songs. But now on my show, I'm giving you the context that I always wanted. It's like radio if if a person d played what they wanted on radio, because that's obviously like that was what radio used to be at one point. What before, this actually, so that's really cool. What this actually reminds me of, and this book ends the conversation nicely. It reminds me of the career of Carson Daly in a certain perspective. Like when Carson was doing TRL, you know, you really weren't getting his view into things. And then he did, I think it was called Last Call. It was Last the late Call. night show yeah. where he would actually go to shows and take art. I found She and Him, uh, the Zoe Chanel M. Ward project, through that. And they did Riding in My Car, and it was a live show from, I think, the Troubadour. And I was like, holy fuck, Carson Daly actually cares about this. Like, this is kind of what we're watching you. <laughs> You're Carson Dalying right now. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Well, actually, when Last Call came out, I was like, I will have a show like that. So. Uh, yeah. manifestation it's a beautiful <laughs> thing um so last question overall for me you obviously had queen on you have a lot of people coming up cheryl crow who's the white whale for you you can sit down with one person and don't say billy corgan because we have our own opinions about billy here but <laughs> <laughs> who would you pick i've sat down with billy i love billy Okay, so you're the first guest who's ever been on the show who's like man i love billy we've i love some, billy 
We've had we have this running thing with Billy Corgan where Billy's come or come up in conversation like a hundred times, and it's always like it got to the point where I was like <laughs> pestering Billy Corgan on social media to come on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's he has his own. He has his own podcast. Billy Corgan has a podcast. Does. Colin, everyone has a fucking podcast. It's 2023, bro. Shut <laughs> up, dude. I know. <laughs> okay, so realistically, who would be your white whale interview? Um, I mean, I've met him several times. I'm a massive fan, but to actually sit down with Bono might be like, mm. my, my mm. mind might explode. <laughs> And you could change. You could change the world with that. I mean, Bono has enough power to do that. Also, <laughs> if you do that interview, would it show up on people's iPhones without them asking for it? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that that happened because a whole generation like doesn't know how amazing you two are, and I that put a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But I also want to say one other thing is that one of my favorite bands, also from the UK, from Ireland, is Inhaler. Oh, Bono's son. Which they what? would probably hate if I were saying that because they never ever use that or reference that. They are objectively awesome inhaler. Huh. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, they're oh, incredible. I actually love that album. That it's a hot take that everybody got mad about because that was produced by Danger Mouse. That's a great record. I'm a huge U2 fan. I mean, if you listen to the early U2 stuff, I mean, they're they're punk rock. You know, I mean, yeah. they're an awesome band. Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem admitting how much I love you too. And that's one. That, wh all right, what's a band that you'll go to the mat for that everybody kind of shits on that you're like, I don't care. I love this band. Oh, I love Limp Biscuit. Ah, good answer. Oh, I love Limp Biscuit. I do too. <laughs> I can't I love lie. Fred. I love Fred. I would love to have Fred on the show. I Is he still doing those jazz nights down on? There's a club on Hollywood Boulevard. I forget what it was called. It's like a magic club. And he used to host these jazz nights because he's super into jazz. Like, really? Hardcore into like really experimental jazz. So he would just put on these young dudes playing jazz. And it was the Fred Durst jazz night. I went to a couple of them. They were really fucking cool. I, Fred is an interesting, interesting guy. People just don't know him. And yeah. They only know what they see. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Florida, I mean, we did. We just had we just had Nickelback on, and I feel like we've exposed a generation of people that love Nick. Like me and Kenny talked about this recently, but like, how many people actually still love Nickelback? Yeah. Like we were like, I fuck with Nickelback, and we got to like kind of like get behind that curtain and say like, yo, these guys are actually really fucking cool people. I guess you could do that for Fred. Of course. I it's love if you don't like a band and then you hear like an interview or something like that and they say something you're like, oh, don't make me like them now. Oh, I like uh, how ridiculous it is. You don't really know any of these people, you know, like and they're all just the little bit you see and you're judging an entire thing based on like seeing a video for a song. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah, exactly. One of the biggest takeaways I had from the Jay Weinberg interview we did, who's the drummer of Slipknot, was that he said everybody in that band is the funniest person he's ever met. And so you're like, you see this evil, demonic, masked metal, but then backstage is just pranks and jokes and fun. You're like, oh, I love it. I love it so much. Of course. It was like when I found out when I used to do A&R at Epic Records, I was going to A&R Lamb of God, and I was so nervous. <laughs> and the, I, I A&R'd the Lamb of God Sacrament album. I'm actually in the Redneck video. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what years were you at Epic till? I, I My background's A&R. Um, so wait, real real quick. Do you know how I got into this? I think you'll appreciate this story. No, no, please no, tell us. Please tell us. All right. So before I told you I'm the MTV generation, I wanted to be a VJ on MTV. So my favorite VJ was Matt Pinfield. 
and I wanted, oh, yeah. I, wanted be, I wanted to be Mac. Okay, that's like what I wanted to do. But I actually went to college to be a doctor and graduated pre-med. But while I was in college, I became the Sony college rep. And I won rep of the okay. year. When I graduated, I got a job offer at both Columbia and Epic Records. I knew that Matt Pinfield worked at Columbia Records. I said, just whatever the Columbia job is, I'll take that one. <laughs> and I literally created a position for myself. I went to HR every day and was like, I'll do my current job, but also let me assist Matt Pinfield. And then eventually, <laughs> became Matt Pinfield's assistant. And I became Matt's right hand, fell in love with A&R, scouting unsigned talent, making records. And that me and Matt and I have been best friends ever since. You know, oh, that's so cool. That's how I got into doing A&R at Columbia. And then I did A&R myself at Epic and I A&R'd Lamb of God's Sacrament album. Okay. God almighty, dude. This is this has legit been one of my favorite conversations we've ever had. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Everybody, I know that it's now, I don't know, competition. If you want to say that, go listen to Allie's podcast. Please, <laughs> for the love of God, go listen to the Allison Hagendorf show. Allie, like, thank you for giving us the time. Thank you for our listeners who had questions on things or like just sure. giving a fucking view behind and the fact that there's actually real people still involved in this industry. We cannot thank you enough. Oh my God. This is, I'm looking at me, I'm like beaming. I'm like blushing, I'm flustered, I'm beaming ear to ear. This is beautiful. It's a love fest. See, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this much. Uh, Kenny's actually helping a, a Foxtrot on a new song that we think is the greatest thing ever. So expect us to try and find your email and send that over. Get it over. <laughs> send it to me. I want to hear it. And also, everyone, you can always hit me up at Allie Hagendorf on Instagram and TikTok and everywhere. Um, yeah. Hit me up. I want. I want everyone. To, and also, comment on the show. I want to see what people think about it. Yeah. So, yes. Ellie, yeah. we can't. We can't thank you enough. Your seat is always open. If anything uh, happens in the rock world that we need to cover, we might hit you up and have you be like, uh, uh I don't know, like a on-scene, like right? correspondent. I don't know. <laughs> Great. Let's do it. This has it. been outstanding. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. All right. You guys. Right, Good to talk. Day. See ya. <laughs> All right, so that was our conversation with Allie Hagendorf. Really a truly great interview that I've been waiting a long time to have. And uh, I think a lot of our listeners, too, that are fans of, of fucking understanding what's going on with playlisting and just the entire realm over there at Spotify. That was a great convo. Go listen to her new show. She just had Cheryl Crow on. She has a bunch of huge guests coming. She had Gavin Rossdale the week before we did, by the way, Dave. I don't know. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, she so. cucked us Do a you know what bit. I just remembered, Colin, is at the end of it, you still managed to get a plug-in for... Uh... For your band. For Fox, right? Yeah, absolutely. Why yeah. wouldn't I? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, what I actually did was I lumped Kenny in as well. Because me and Kenny are working on that new song that's going to go on the Fox Shot album. And I said, well, if you really, you know, if you're really still taking submissions, well, me and Kenny have this song that's going to change the earth. So maybe you want to be early on it. And she was like, yeah, send it to me. So we'll, we'll fucking see, buddy. <laughs> we'll see. We should do a follow-up episode on this when you guys put it out and see if you get the, get the listen and the playlist. Maybe. You never know. Uh, it's really a cool song too. We just worked on it the other night, and Erica's vocals on it are fucking ridiculous. But it's really like this, like kind of like it's cool. I'll play. I'll send it to you guys. But um, let's go into on list, off the list. Johnny, I want to start with you because you already prefaced this, and I'm very confused as to what this means. Johnny, who's off your list? Well, these guys. <laughs> what the hell did I do, dude? What? Wait, wait, wait. Go back. What? The one of me yelling? No, 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 Please, can you uh, maximize that again? Which one was? I didn't see which one it was. Uh, Colin, what the fuck is that? The middle row, the goatee thing, the what, chin my beard? straps. Dude, I told you, I have Please terrible say this facial was a hair. 
No, that <laughs> looks like it was intentional. No, if I turn my head, I have full facial hair over here too. But I, I just get the fucking goatee so strong, dude. My goatee game is ridiculous, dude. So that's what? not why you're off my list. Oh, that was horrible, um, though. Fuck you. <laughs> the, the reason you're off my list is because you've been teased. I have to find it here, but you've been teasing. Oh, the show? The show. So it starts fucking three weeks ago. I know, he I says, know, I know. I can guys, explain. Guys, we're announcing I can a show I can next explain. week. And then the next explain. week is like big announcement. You did like six announcements for today. You posted that you're going to announce know, the details. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm getting there. But I'll say this, dude. It might actually be genius marketing because it's got me like paying attention because I'm like, what? when is the fuck? I care now where you're showing because I'm not <laughs> going to the you. fucking show. No. Well, what it is is something will happen. Like, I know when it is and I'm getting there. Like, I'm going to announce it. Uh, we just don't have the graphics back that I thought we were going to have from the people from the venue. That's why. See, you're like inadvertently a genius marketer <laughs> because Wait, it's like up. you haven't got anything together. You're just like, Announcement coming tomorrow. It's like, should we announce tomorrow? And it's then tomorrow coming. comes. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Don't worry, boys. It's coming. Are we holding mics now? Yeah, we're all holding <laughs> mics now. I don't know why I just want to do that when I saw Dave do it. Uh yeah, we do have a show coming up, a hometown show as well. Some some more past that that I can't get into yet. But uh it's funny, man. I, I like I think because we're so busy with this and we're finishing a record, like people keep asking me when we're gonna go back out and do shows on the road. And I'm like, when I fucking feel like it. It's different <laughs> than before the pandemic, honestly. It really is. If you don't have there, there's no more like grind it out, cut your teeth, fucking independent tours anymore. If you're gonna go out, there better be a good goddamn reason to go out on yeah. the road. Like it's not how it used to be. And I'm talking three years ago. That that era has died. I'm not going out in a fucking uh, a van with a trailer and just hitting shitty venue after shitty venue. There has to be a legit reason why I'm going out on the road to go out on the road. I, I don't know if you agree with that, but I that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, pretty much for like bands like our size where we're That's not, what I'm saying. If you, if you can't sell out like at least a theater, it just doesn't make financial sense. No, it's dumb. And it's also like there's better ways to be utilizing your time, which sucks because those are integral moments in a fucking band's history where you learn things about people in your band to go out and do shitty tours. Like, that is it. But that doesn't, that, that's not a thing anymore. Why am I holding this mic? I I'm holding it because my dog decided to be an asshole and demand oh. attention. So I'm trying to make sure he doesn't bark. That's why well, John, I'm doing it. Johnny, besides me, you also had other things off your list. The Last of Us. Why? I thought it was I, good. Dude. I, I agree with Johnny, man. What? Dude, it's just another one of these zombie shows written by, like Danny was telling me, uh, like my brother Danny was saying, it's like a boardroom got together and wrote a show. Like there's no individual like impact it, behind it. It just feels like, I don't know. It's like based a, off a video game though. Like, no, I know it's based insane. off a video game. Yeah, but it's like where they decide to go with a lot of the stories. Like there's too much human interest in it. Where it's just like, give us more. Like every almost every zombie show does this. Too much like love story or like kid losing yes. something like that kind of shit. And it's like you can have a bit of that. Like so, it's not just like fucking shooting zombies. But they always lean too heavy on that side of things. Like we've got dramas. We've got every other fucking aspect of. That's TV. why. What's it called yeah. with um, uh, fucking dude from True Detective. Woody Harrelson's uh, Zombieland. Woody, yes, Zombieland. That's why I thought Zombieland was a fucking great movie. 
Yeah, yeah usually com- comedy zombie movies do it better, like Shaun of the Dead. And that's they, another great example. Another great they example. They understand yes. the genre better. And even like the the OG ones, like uh, Dawn of the Dead, um, well, not, not the, the 90s one or the 2000s one wasn't the original, but even that one I felt like had a better pacing to it. It's like, get to the mall, get the guns, and like, that's the zombie movie. If I want to watch like a love story or a fucking story about a lost kid, there's those I can go watch those movies. Shaun of the Dead is one of the most underrated comedies of all time. It's, oh, yeah, it's really genius. fucking good. It's, it's great. So, it's so good. I love the part where they, they you want to take it to a musical moment where they take the records out and they're throwing them at the zombies and they're going through different like records. He's like, uh, he's like drum and bass. He's like, no, don't throw that. I got that it's limited edition. <laughs> and they're like Batman soundtrack. And he's like, throw it, go. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. love, I love that movie. Well, yeah, that director, the writer director of that is such a music head. Like, is it Simon Pegg? Well, yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it is Simon Pegg, but I forget the, what is his name. Oh fuck, it's gonna kill me. But he, uh, he's made a bunch of movies. He just made that movie Soho. Um, last night, I'll look it up. Dave, did you ever get into the Come Town podcast? No, I think that's one I would like though. So it's the raunchiest, fucking craziest podcast of all yeah, time. Yeah, I've heard they've been like tried to be canceled beyond belief like a million oh, fucking times, and it's just people nuts. will not quit them. Well, they, they Edgar Edgar Wright is the oh thing Edgar Wright did that. Yeah, really. He I did believe the first, so. He did the first Ant Man movie too, uh, for Marvel, which is that's a nerd thing for me, but. Dave, uh, they had this running thing on Come Town where for some reason they like they what I do with Billy Corgan they would do with Simon Pegg. I don't know why they picked Simon Pegg, but they just started calling him Cum Slut. That's what his nickname was on the show. So now every time I think of Simon Pegg, I think of the word Cum Slut. Cum Slut. Really <laughs> yeah, I feel really bad about that. Um, but don't feel uh, bad about that. Laugh at it. I oh, trust me, I have many, many, many because it's hilarious. People uh, can't um, fucking laugh anymore. I still liked The Last of Us. I did. No, I, really, I mean, it was fine. It was really nice to have it was watchable. I, I always I want appointment television like Sunday night, 9 p.m. I need to see this show where I'm going to be behind on it. Like, I like that. Like, oh, yeah, I like I agree. I like the concept. I like everything. I kind of like the beginning of it. It just started getting too self-indulgent with the sure. the drama side of things for me. Yeah, I, I, get I just finished finished Yellowstone as well. Did either of you guys watch that? No, yeah. but I just got Peacock, so I'm starting it. Okay, I'm not going to say anything then. Don't say anything. Is it good? I think the exact same thing can be said about Yellowstone at this point. Interesting. I, I, dude, I see. I can totally agree with that. And to me, there's like a thousand things you can pick apart about it. But something about this, the majesticness of like Montana. Dude, the way I it looks like you can almost do anything be, and I'll fucking yes. watch it. Yeah. Dude, I could not agree more, but a lot of the storyline was so fucking stupid and it could have been really cool. I heard it's like Hillbilly Sons of Anarchy in a certain perspective. Yeah, definitely. I it's, would say there's a like, lot of uh, that in it. I haven't seen Sons of Anarchy. I Great think show. it's like kind of it's kind of Peaky Blinders, but not as awesome. I love Yo, Peaky can Blinders. I, Dave, Dave, can I tell you something? You ever want to get out to Montana? Uh, a good buddy of mine who's been on this podcast for Matt Henry. He's a videographer for really big EDM DJs. Uh, him and his wife, like five years before Montana got popular, bought a property Dude. in Montana and he rents it out for Airbnbs. Hmm. Uh, it's in like Bozeman, Mon- or it's like past Bozeman. Like it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. I'm it's sure it's gorgeous. beautiful. Gorgeous. Dude, he's, he's all- if I ever win the lottery, I'll take care of all my people, including you guys, because I like you. I'll take care of all those I like. I'm talking like real lottery. 
I would piece the fuck out to that part of the country so fast. And uh, and watching Yellowstone kind of enhanced that feeling. Yeah. Dude, when you drive... But like, the storyline... Nah, fuck it. Yeah. Whenever we'd be on tour in Seattle and then crossing a, a country, would always take... I think it's I-90. Mm-hmm. And you, you go through Mont- You go through like Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, and then through Missoula. We played a show in Missoula and like... We our van broke down like in Mon like as we hit Montana and I like, I forget what happened to it like we, we could drive but like max thirty miles an hour oh it was probably so the regular took, engine yeah I I don't know what it was but it took like just when you hit the fucking mountains the the car decides to shit the yeah. bed yeah uh, but it was the most epic drive you you can do dude you know? I you've made this drive I'm sure a million times I I am not very well traveled I've never been to the northwest I've never been to California I've made the drive from Phoenix to Vegas and back and like that is a is a beautiful drive to me oh, yeah that is and actually I, a beautiful drive I feel like that's nothing like even that part of the country we got a really sweet country it, dude, oh, I yeah, was just dude. about to say, you know how amazing and how unique it is in the it's, world? There is so there's every single fucking climate, man. We dude, as many times as I've ever. been around America, which is a fuckload, either driving or on a bus, I still am so excited to like do the great American road trip with my daughter. Like oh, yeah. just go see America. Like it's it's fucking beautiful. Man, we 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 take this place for granted. We do. We, we all are so fucking lucky to live here. And as much fucked up bullshit as it goes on here, it goes on all around the world, too. It's just amplified because we're the big dog. I love this place, dude. Dude, it it's fucking sweet, fucking, man. It is, man. I, I, like, I, I, Colin's getting deep. I'm going to make it very simple. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But, like, I'm not bullshitting when I say going hunting is, like, my favorite fucking time of year. Because you, are, you, you don't want to drop. Otherwise, you're not getting your kill. But it's forces you to just enjoy what's going on around you in a way that you do. and i'm not even talking about being on drugs or anything yeah you know yeah dave I, so when i was a kid one of my best friends liam his family had property in uh up near cooperstown new york beautiful so part of the country every every summer we used to go to the baseball hall of fame yep and then their family reunion right outside Coop- cooperstown and it was 50 acres mountainside and yep Beautiful lakes. It was the most deafening silence you yep. could ever imagine at night. Because we'd sleep in tents. Mm-hmm. Deafening silence. But so fucking beautiful. By the way, if anybody here hasn't been to the, uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame, do it. Do it once, yeah. It's, have you done it, Dave? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so cool, dude. It's like being transported back in time. It's, it's, it's America's pastime, man. I know that means shit to Johnny. I, I know he's not a baseball fan, but even like a modest baseball fan, you go there and you're like, this is it, pretty it would fucking be like, sweet. Johnny, it's a it would great be like, museum. It would be like you getting so you, to go you're going to make a fucking Quidditch joke. Yeah, it'd be like you getting to go to Hogwarts <laughs> and see the, the, the fucking Triwizard champion every year. Um, no, really, really, really cool. Do you know what's one of the most epic drives ever? We drove from uh, Portland back down to L.A., when we were living the there, Pacific Coast Highway on the yeah, like yeah. We, we didn't do we didn't do PCH the whole way, but a good portion of the way. And that upper, I think it's called the Gold Coast in Oregon. Holy shit, dude, that is epic! I'll show never, you guys what yeah. my buddy did. One of my he's one of my best friends. I grew up with him in middle school and uh, onwards. Still, still stay in touch with them. Um, he did ten years in the military, so he bounced around. He was a pilot in the Navy. He bounced around all over the country. He took a submarine from Hawaii to Japan. Did, he did the works. Never was uh, uh, de- de- um, deployed or anything, but 
blah, blah, blah. Did his 10 years, got out. First thing he did is he bought a $5,000 RV, a 1982 Toyota Dolphin is what it's called. And I'll send you guys the screenshot. He's got it on Instagram. And put all a couple grand into repairs, whatever it needed. Um, took it over every square inch of the country, just alone for the next yeah. six months. Johnny, yeah, that's, first off, that Dave, sounds fucking awesome. That's it, incre- yeah, and he he got a job and everything, and would work on hot spots, and he'd go through like fucking caves in Kentucky and the Grand Canyon, and you know everything. I I just this reminded me of this because I I I think about bad tour routing, Johnny. I don't know if you ever had this happen. One time we were doing a uh, we were on tour, but we also had a lot of like radio stops planned that were even in cities that we weren't even playing. It was just like you need to go yeah, to this yeah. program director and go. So we were in, oh God, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, doing a radio visit and playing a show, and our radio promoter called us and was like, "Yo, I got you a slot." And I think it was Z100 in Mobile, Alabama that do hangout festival. And he was like, you got to be there tomorrow. And we were like, we're in fucking Kentucky. And he goes, then you better start driving. Yeah. We drove all the way to Mobile, Alabama from Louisville, Kentucky for a fucking 20 minute radio interview. Yeah. And we, we, didn't did. know any, we didn't know any better. We were just like, all right, I guess that's what you're supposed to do. And, then, and the radio, like the DJs wonder why you're in a bad mood. You show up after a two-day drive to do four minutes, and then they, then they don't fucking add your song. No, you know, they like, didn't add our song. <laughs> I, I, I they didn't do anything. But what that leads me to is like, you want to talk about cool pockets of the country? Because Mobile, Alabama is like an absolute dump. Like it is like, it looks like they started building Miami Part 2 and then just stopped midway through. It's <laughs> atrocious. And then, but they told us, they're like, yo, go, or uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama is like 20 minutes away. That's where Hangout Festival is on the beach and you can dive in the Gulf of Mexico. We went there and had one of the best days I've ever had as a band. Like we yeah. literally in the rain, ran in the Gulf of Mexico and then had like seafood right on there. Like those are mm-hmm. experiences that only we get to have. That's so, so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Like there's nothing, I look, nothing I like better than like a good, a well-planned day off, which we would always like, that was more important to us than half the tours. Like, yep picking where we'd be like we'd always park our bus up there's this rv park in the french quarter in new orleans and you can go there you get the showers from all the rv park and then just walk right into like uh, frenchman street and everything and like those kind of days you just fucking relish on tour my heaviest blackout ever was a day off in uh in new orleans on tour. yeah that makes sense (laughs) yeah well they turned the they turned the heat on in our hotel room and we all came back absolutely hammered the heat was like 80 somebody threw a bag against the wall and hit the uh the thermostat and we all woke up violently dehydrated and throwing up oh, hungover yeah. like it was bad um <laughs> Dave, do you have any on the list um the month of march even though the weather sucks out here but it's usually when we'll start to sprinkle in like random 75 degree days uh it's my favorite month month from a sports perspective the weather starts to turn everybody knows chicago is the best summertime uh city in the entire country if not the world so um, moods will be high now that winter is behind us and uh, sports are starting to pick up. Yeah, I mean, it means it's I'm, concert season two coming up. It does big time, and there's a lot. I of got I, I got um, Tedeschi trucks at the end of the month. Forgot about that. Yeah, I gotta hit them up like right now. Uh, my my own list and off list are the same thing. Uh, bachelor party. I'm going on a bachelor party next weekend to Clearwater, Florida, for Philly spring training. Uh, gonna be awesome. Fishing, golf, all that. Uh, I have not drank in 
couple months. Like actually like gotten after it. You're a wife is, wife is pregnant. I'm working six days a week. I'm doing this in any moment that I'm not working or I'm at the studio. I literally haven't been drunk in months. And I just got reminded that all my friends are fucking animals. Animals. And I was with my boy Sean, Shawnee Kovacs, whose bachelor party I'm going on. And he like he was like, You're fucked. He's like, You're gonna die. Like <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna die. And the thing is, they know that my alcohol tolerance is non existent. Non existent. Even as first off, if you ever want to become sober in life, like if you ever have a problem, become a bartender. Because you'll never want to ever drink again. Cause you see people at their absolute worst and you're yeah. around it all the time. I'm around booze 24 7. 24 7. Don't have any interest in drinking it. But my boys are fucking animals. And I'm scared. Like, I, I might die in Florida. And I apologize if I did. Colin, with what I know of uh, Northeast Philly or learned over working for a company that has a large following in that part of the world, those people are just, you guys are, and I say those people, those people are just like the south side of Chicago. Yeah. It's, it's the exact same fucking it's exact same culture, stereotypes. I want to know how you sprung out of there because you're too nice to be those guys. And you're like, those guys are animals and they do get after it. I can bust balls with the best of them. That's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, that about, is true. That is the, true. With, with the Northeast Philly people, that's the biggest thing is like thick skin, bust balls, hit you where it hurts, but we love you. That's the biggest thing. But when it comes to a lot of the other shit, like all my boys I'm going on this bachelor party with are either cops, firefighters, ex-military, uh, union guys, or shit like that. I'm not any of that. And these dudes all booze, like booze, booze. And I am like dreading it. I'm dreading. I'm just going to have to pick one thing and drink it the entire time. I can't mix it. Dude, there's a bunch of texts I sent my wife the first time we went back to South Africa uh, after having left there when we were kids. And like we missed being like 19, 20, 21 with all my best friends back there. So they're like, all right, we're catching up. And I just was like literally texting my wife, like fucking help because they, 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 they this, I've never met anyone anywhere. And I would, I would put money on this uh, that drinks like the South Africans. I'd Nowhere. like to find that out. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm sure you guys would give them a good run in, and I've been, I've seen Chicago, and Chicago goes hard, and Philly goes hard. Midwest, Mil, Milwaukee, Milwaukee goes even yeah, Midwest harder, mm-hmm. but South Africa is on another level. It's like I believe that I, I don't know. It's it's a, uh, it's like this weird sadomasochism almost. Like they get to the point where it's like they just want to hurt each other more. You know, like in terms of the one one upping and, and like another shot, and then they finish the night with like. 180 proof straw rum or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, that's not how I roll. Dude, I think like, I, I, <laughs> I think we're pussies in America when it comes to that kind of stuff. No, like, no I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like yeah, you the best it. of it here. No, no, because I've seen like the America, dude, come on. America, <laughs> I think America is up there in terms of drinking, but South Africans are fucking nuts. I'm hoping to go to a friend like of mine's uh, wedding English. in Greece. All, all the, all the, the original motherlands, like former protectorates, get after it. I would say, yeah, that might be something to that. Just like I think that's probably true, right? Yeah, there's probably something. It's also like a lot of the South Africans were similar. Like there's certain kinds of people that were like they're the people leaving the homeland to go explore. Like they're they're crazy yeah. people. Do you know what I mean? I've seen that Matt Damon movie. <laughs> yeah, Invictus. I mean, isn't that kind of like you're like? national like treasure 
Matt, Matt Damon's Matt Damon's bad South African accent. We, yeah, uh, I, we, we I, love, I gotta we love imagine. It. I gotta imagine yeah. it was horrible. Dave, who it was a the- cool movie. We we were there when that game happened. That was fucking magical. Dave, uh, who? Because I have a nitpick about like people who do uh, exaggerated Philly accents for like content, and it bothers me horrendously. Do you have like anybody who does a Chicago accent that makes you want to kill yourself? Um. No one ex. I don't know anybody who exaggerates it at all. I they a lot of people said Carl exaggerates his, but he doesn't at all. He just has it. No, it's he doesn't exaggerate it at all. But I mean, um, like for me, like Tina Fey when she like goes on SNL and she does like the the uh, fucking Delco Philly accent and she's just on TV talking like this, and I'm just like, yo, shut the fuck up, like that's chill. Or like when Mayor of Easttown was on TV and Kate Winslet was doing the Delco accent and it was like the first episode she was like, yeah, I'm going to Wawa to get a fucking Wawa call. Oh, no, they do. Like they'll put in the stereotypes that make me cringe for sure. It was like, dude, I've lived in Philadelphia for 30 years and no one has ever said, I'm going to Wawa to get a Wawa coffee. Do you want one? No, it's not how you. That's <laughs> Yeah, you're trying yeah too no, hard. they do that Co- for sure. Colin, can you do a Maryland accent? That's a one I find really hard to like. Understand the, the Northeast Philly and the Baltimore accent are the same thing. The really? same yeah, thing. I guess they are similar, but there's a subtlety to like the Baltimore accent that like it's hard do you, to do. Do you follow the comedian Stavros Halkius? Yeah, I don't follow him, but I know who he is. Yeah, follow his account. He's a big Ravens fan, and every Sunday he does like he's Ronnie from Baltimore because he's, okay. he's from Baltimore, and he's like <laughs> every week he just like wrists and will just be like he's like. He's like, dude, fucking Lamar sucks dick, dude. He ain't Joe Flacco. Like that's exactly. Okay, Northeast yeah, Philly that's accent. it, man. I get, I the, see now. Yeah, the Northeast Philly accent and the and the the O's, it's the O's is the thing, and that's what people yeah. when they do it. There's this one kid who's very popular on TikTok and Instagram who is very clearly a suburban kid who does like Philly content where it's like, like first Sunday of Eagle season, he's like, dude, fucking go birds, and I'm like, yo, I if I seen this kid in person, I would beat his ass. Because he's just so corny, so corny. Like if I could look at him in his face and be like, "Dude, you're, I don't even know what you're doing." Like this is so cringeworthy. It bothers me so much. <laughs> First off, you don't want this accent. You don't want this. You don't want this problem. He probably turns it off and goes and works for fucking Deloitte. Uh, it's and not as does, bad as others, I don't think. I mean, there's bad accents. Like there's really bad. I find this. I like the Chicago accent. I think it's it's. I like it. It's endearing to me. I think it's kind of dying a little bit. Really? You think it's? So I'm not crazy about the, the Minnesota accent. Oh, I hate it. Hate like it. the Canadian accent, Upper Midwest. Yeah, that, I don't like that one yeah. either. It reminds I me of Packers like, fans. I don't like Canadians, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like them either right now. What are they going to do about it? Apologize. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Apologize. <laughs> I'm going home to fucking uh, World Privacy Tour, dude. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the over exaggerated accents bother me. The, I hate the New York accent more than anything. I just, I. It's obnoxious, me. yeah. It's obnoxious. See, I've always loved it, but like when I say New York accent, I'm thinking like Wu Tang Clan from like Staten Island. And I like, like that, that accent. No, that's what I'm saying. I love it, but but it's associated with like my love for Wu Tang Clan. Like, so it's not, Here, I know here's one. The, the, what what did you guys? What was your stereotypical? I mean, you grew up in the States, you went to high school here, but did you have like a, uh, a voice that you made fun of in South Africa that Ooh. was like the stereotypical American voice? I mean, everyone 
when the, my dad had a friend in France that used to, like, when he would make fun of Americans, he would just say, popcorn chewing gum, popcorn chewing gum. And, like, that was what their impression of what all Americans sounded like was just saying, popcorn chewing gum, popcorn chewing gum. Jesus but I don't Christ. know, like, my, my mom was American. So, like, we've always oh, been, yeah. like, it's always been a part of our thing. And the other thing is, the whole world hears American accents nonstop. It's like they feel like they know America. And why everyone can do decent American accents, you know, most of the time. Like, I didn't even really realize until somewhat recently. Like, so we, I don't know if you're a UFC fan or not, but um, we we sponsored two fighters from Liverpool, England. Obviously, they speak fluent English. I have extreme trouble understanding these guys. Yeah, I've listened. I mean, the, the, it's it's what UFC baddie, right? What's his name? Yeah, Patty the baddie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's got a thick, thick. It is mancurian. But like, we just interviewed Gavin Rossdale, and it's the most pristine. Is it Kings or Queens English? Kings English. Kings oh, yeah, English. He, yeah, it's, he's, it's, he's it's, posh. It's so fucking pretty and elegant. And then you got these scousers. You know, it's funny yeah, to me, dude. I love almost all the. Northern English accent, the the London accent. There's like a London hipster, like East London, which is kind of like the Silver Lake Echo Park of London, mm. makes me fucking lose it. It's so such a pretentious accent. But all it's the a- other English accents, like Liverpool, uh, Bur- I like a Birmingham accent. I mean, you're talking about uh, what's it called? Peaky Blinders. Peaky, Bl- Peaky Blinders. Oh, dude, I, I, that I one I think like I. I mean, I only associate it with with Peaky Blinders, but it yeah. just makes me think fucking tough guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, there's yeah, another like, guy. That guy, the streets. I think I've talked about him before. He's a rapper from Birmingham, and like he's. I I love that accent. Then the Scottish accents for me are like. Yeah. I just I will. I'm like one of those weird people. I'll go just watch dudes talking in a Scottish accent, saying whatever the fuck they're saying. Particularly like Glasgow, like deep, like thick Glasgow accent is awesome. Johnny, I agree. I, with I you think 100%. it's gross on a chick. Just like I think a Boston. Uh, I don't know, man. Gross. On I, a I know chick. what you're saying generally, but there's or like if you, the accent on a chick is just yucky to me. A soft-spoken uh, Scottish accent on a girl can actually be quite nice. Sure. I don't. Uh, I, I just watch. You, you just don't want them yelling you fucking cunt yeah. at you. That's how we end the episode, right there, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's how we end the episode. Thank you to Ali Hagendorf for coming through this week. Uh, we have a bunch of interviews back. I don't know what's coming out next week, but go subscribe to the YouTube. Fucking do all that shit. Uh, gentlemen, anything else for me? That's it. I'm going to bed. That's it. You know what? Do you know why Dante's not here? I haven't talked to Dante in a couple of days. He's having dinner with Paulie D. All right. <laughs> what did we do wrong in life? Oh, did Dante's he- great at networking. I just stopped giving a fuck. He was hanging out with Sean Kingston yesterday. Now he's having dinner with fucking. Yeah, he's Holy a day. fucking insane person, man. He knows everybody. That's very I, true. I like. See, I don't. I would never want to be Dante, just like fucking crazy person. I like my stay the fuck away from people time. But I like knowing Dante because Dante, yeah, Dante's like a yacht. You don't want right, to own one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you <wanna know>. exactly. <laughs> yes, perfect, 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 perfect analogy. Right. It's good to know someone with one, but you don't want yeah. to, have to take care of it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There you go. All right, Dante's a yacht. Kenny's being a dad. We're on our way out. Gentlemen. I'm going to see. I'm going to see Kenny this weekend. By the way, you going to LA? Yeah. Give Kenny my warmest regards. I'll see you guys later.